Welcome to my podcast, Mike Cohen joining you. Today's podcast brought to you by Petros Taverna, three locations open right now, uh, Westmount, Sherbrooke Street West, Laurier, and Griffintown. And uh, at Westmount, they have uh, holiday meals, turkey, roast beef, uh, full meals. You have to order them 24 hours in advance, 514-938-5656, call Ted Dranius. Well, special guest with me today, an old friend, someone I've known for many, many, many years, uh, Sydney Margulies. Sydney, welcome. Thank you. Now, Sydney uh, is no stranger to radio interviews. Uh, the microphone used to be on his side of the table. And the reason I'm talking to Sydney, Sydney and I have been involved together in municipal politics, federal politics. Uh, we, we've crossed paths for decades now, and I'm also privileged to be his city councillor. Uh, but but uh, CJD is celebrating its 75th anniversary, and Sydney, you had quite a history with CJD. How many years were you there for? Well, I actually started as a student in 1957 and started full-time in 1959. Uh, I stayed at CJD until 1974 and then moved on within the Broadcasting Corporation and industry, went for 10 years to Ottawa, and then came back to Montreal to work on what I call the industrial side of the broadcasting business, running the Muzak franchise in Eastern Canada. So I spent basically 40 years in the industry. So what are your greatest memories? I mean, you were a very well-known figure in Montreal. Like my late dad, too, was a radio announcer. But you were on CJD. It was then, like it is now, the, the premier radio station for News Talk Radio in Montreal. What are your most special memories of being a, a, a news reporter for CJD? Well, first of all, Mike, I have to say that uh, my special first special memory was being the first radio reporter in Montreal on a full-time basis. There was no one like that before 1960. And uh, my memories, uh, <laughs> I have so many, I could spend probably the whole afternoon discussing different events, uh, starting with the uh, 1960 Quebec election where Jean Lesage was elected. Uh, then in 63, we had the TCA crash in St. Therese, where I won a prize for uh, my reporting there. Uh, carrying on through the 60s with the uh, problems of Montreal and, and uh, the uh, separatist movement leading up to the October crisis, working in the October crisis and uh, the night of uh, Pierre Laporte's body being found. Uh, then during the 60s, I have to mention Expo 67, because that was certainly very time-consuming and interesting. So the, the, the late 50s and 60s were certainly the heyday of Montreal radio, and I was in the midst of it. What was it like being, I mean, you know, this was the old time. Like right now, they're all walking around with their iPhones, reporters. But, I mean, in those days, how difficult was it to uh, file a report, get it to the station, get it on air, uh, in any, was there any editing back then? How did this all work? Well, there were different ways. The first, of course, was the basic telephone. People don't realize, in the same way that we're now recording uh, for broadcast, the telephone was a very useful instrument, and uh, we were able to use it from just about anywhere a telephone uh, existed. Uh, one of the tricks for some people who may not know is that we knew how to open a telephone and use the metal leads inside the phone 
to hook on tape recorders in order to transmit uh, interviews right down the telephone line. And then as time evolved, we had shortwave radio, and uh, we had basic shortwave from vehicles, from the mobile car that I had uh, every year, basically changed every year uh, from 1961 onward. And then we had the uh, portable shortwave, uh, in some cases directly to the studio, and in other cases repeated uh, broadcasts from the uh, portable to the car and then repeated out to the station uh, over a longer distance and then on air. So those were the, the main units, uh, other than, of course, being within the studio itself. Uh, the evolution of tape recorders also occurred over the period from the 50s to the 70s, uh, starting with uh, very small units that had poor quality to medium-sized units, some of them coming from Europe, which were on the heavy side, 20 pounds or so, but gave you good quality. And then now back to the small units, but digital recording. So there's been an evolution over the years. Uh, now, one of the things that I find fascinating is that you were the only Canadian reporter at the historic Anwar Sadat and Menachem Begin meeting in 1979. What are your memories from that, being a Jew who was reporting uh, on this historic uh, meeting? Well, let me give you a little of the background. The reason I was sent over there was because I had been in Israel several times before. I'd been in Israel on my own in 1959 because I did have family there at the time. Then I was in Israel in 1969 on what was then a Montreal mission with some of the Montreal Jewish community leaders who had gone to you know, inquire about the various activities in the growth of Israel. And then I was there in 1973, just at the end of the uh, Six-Day War. So when Ted Blackman, who was then program director in Montreal, called me in Ottawa and asked if I wanted to go over to Israel for the Sadat Begin uh, visit, I said, of course, just get me on a plane. And so he did. He made arrangements with Alitalia, and I drove from Ottawa to Mirabelle and caught the Alitalia flight in Mirabelle to go to Rome and on to Israel, and that's how I got there. As far as being in Israel at the time, I'll tell you an interesting story. You may remember the name Clark Todd. Clark worked at CKGM in Montreal in the early 60s, and he had uh, gone on to work for NBC uh, as a freelancer. And Clark Todd was in Israel at the same time, and he and I teamed up to do broadcasts for NBC, as well as I was doing my broadcasts for uh, CJAD and the other stations uh, who were under our standard broadcast news umbrella. So it was quite an experience working the international networks at the time. Unfortunately, Clark was subsequently killed in Lebanon in uh, one of the uh, fights uh, that occurred uh, with the... Uh, uh, guerrillas in, in the Lebanese border areas north of Israel. Sydney, uh, I know uh, you've also written some articles in the last few months about the FLQ crisis, and I was a little boy, but I still remember driving in the back seat of my dad's car and seeing soldiers on the street and learning about the assassinations. Uh, what, what is your most remarkable memory of covering the FLQ crisis and, uh, and the, the terrible incidents that occurred after? Well, 
covering uh, what we'll call some of the terrorist activities in the late 1962, when the first bomb went off uh, at the corner of McGill College in Sherbrooke behind the Army Recruiting Depot, where the night watchman, uh, Mr. O'Neill, was killed when he went to put the garbage at the back of the building and, and uh, a bomb blew up. And from there, for the next seven years, there were all kinds of events, uh, uh, including a, a bomb at the, uh, the Hirshhorn House. Mr. Hirshhorn was the head of Murray Hill Limousine. Uh, there was the Montreal police strike, uh, other bombings. And then, of course, we had the unfortunate uh, kidnapping, first of Jasper Cross and then of Pierre Laporte, which I guess you'd say would be the, the highlight because it really meant the culmination of all the violence uh, the 1970, the fall of 1970 was the period that we all call the October crisis. My uh, vivid memory, of course, is the day that uh, Pierre Laporte's body was found. Uh, first of all, um, it was Yom Kippur, which was the holiest day for, for we Jews, and I normally would not have worked. But what happened was I was called out of synagogue with my bellboy, and the rabbi knew it was going to, it might happen. And I went down to do the translation of the Jerome Choquette's news conference, Mr. Choquette being the, the Quebec justice minister at the time. And it was a little after six o'clock when that was over, and I was about to return to the synagogue when I heard on the police radio, uh, Monsieur Laporte, enlevé, Saint Lambert. Well, I knew right away that was Pierre Laporte. I knew Pierre from years earlier because he did work with us when he was a reporter for Le Devoir uh, from the Quebec legislature, now called the National Assembly. I double-checked that uh, police uh, bulletin uh, with the police dispatcher, and he confirmed for me it was Pierre Laporte's house. I walked into the studio, moved Bob Fisher out of the seat that he was sitting in where he was uh, uh, doing the sportscast, and I broke the news about the kidnapping and stayed on the air for many hours uh, with the assistance of others who would feed me information uh, about the progress. Uh, of course, there was no progress um, of that evening. And then, of course, several weeks later, when his body was found, that was a, a night to remember. Uh, I was uh, uh, out at dinner with uh, my uh, late wife and friends, um, headed home because I had been tipped off at the Queen Elizabeth Hotel that there was something untoward occurring. I stopped on the way at Jerome Chiquette's house uh, at the corner of McNider and Cote St. Catherine Road. And I was told by the provincial police there was some activity in St. Hubert near the airport. I let my wife's friends go, and I turned around and went down to the studio, and at the same time, through radio, was contacting Rick Lechner, who worked with me, and Rick was on the South Shore, having gone to a restaurant there with his wife, and we were both out for the first time in about four weeks. So he headed over to St. Hubert while I went into the studio, and we got confirmation that there was a body found. That's when I took over the airwaves, and between us, we started reporting as to what was happening and confirmed that uh, it was Laporte's body that was found. I ended up staying on uh, overnight. At the time, 
the House of Commons was in session debating the War Measures Act, so we were able to bring in political leaders from uh, Ottawa uh, into the broadcast, and we carried on all night. So that was perhaps the most momentous of my broadcast because normally I would have only been on for a couple of minutes at a time at the most, and here I was on for about six or seven hours. Well, Sydney, you still have a great broadcast voice. You, you're, you're, you are honored uh, to be named to the Canadian Association of Broadcasters uh, Hall of Fame Awards in 2009. You, you had a distinguished uh, career as a city, as a town councillor in TMR, and I know we're very proud of all the amazing work you did uh, to put the CSL Men's Club where it is today. So I want to congratulate you on a great career, and I know you and I together, like many others, still uh, remain loyal listeners of CJD, and may, uh, may it go on to great success in the years to come. So thank you, Sydney. Thank you. My guest has been Sydney Margulies.